You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody! Thanks for listening to Arn here on Westwood One. Wanted to give you a quick heads up. We're going to be covering. Hashtag ask Arn anything today. That's our subject. But next week it's over the limit 2010, which I'm really excited about because this card is freaking loaded. Uh, John Cena and Batista, Edge and Randy Orton, Big Show, Rey Mysterio, CM Punk, Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre, Chris Jericho. But the thing I'm really looking forward to, the Hart Dynasty. You know how much we've enjoyed watching Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. Well, here we get to watch Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith. What an underrated tag team that was really looking forward to it. That's going to be here next week on the show. And we're also going to be posting our bonus show over at adfreeshows.com, which Arn and I've had a lot of fun doing because I'm getting to watch wrestling with Arn Anderson and sort of get in his head. And this month is going to be really special. We're going to see his only title shot. Really think about that. Arn got one world title shot in his entire career. And it was against Barry Windham at Slambury 93. We're going to do that watch along style, which is just going to be so much fun. And we had this idea because we had a ton of fun last month where we watched him and Tully win the tag titles when Barry Windham turned on Lex Luger and joined the four horsemen. And then Dusty Rhodes had something to say about it. And he catches a beat down for his trouble. Really phenomenal stuff. It's available right now at adfreeshows.com. Coming up tomorrow. Tony Schiavone and I watched one of the most legendary Ric Flair world title matches towards the end of his career. It's commonly referred to as a night in Greenville. It's from May of 03, where Rick wrestles Triple H for the world title. It's going to be phenomenal. But maybe the main event this week, I sit down on Thursday with Jim Ross to cover Dr. Death Steve Williams, his close personal friend of many, many years. And then, of course, on Friday, I'm going to catch up with Bruce Pritchard, and we're going to talk about the very first In Your House pay-per-view It's got Diesel and Sid on top for the world title. You can get all these shows early and ad-free with a ton of bonus content. Go check it out right now and find out what everybody's talking about. It's adfreeshows.com. It starts at just nine bucks a month. That's adfreeshows.com. Thompson, and you're listening to Arn with the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Still healthy. Everybody I know, and I'm thanking God for that, is uh, still healthy, and everybody's kind of towing the line and kind of earning that being healthy. I think if you do all the things that you're asked and you stay home and you do the, the social distancing and all that, and you're eating healthy and still managing to get a workout somehow. And if you do all that stuff, you're going to stay healthy. So guys are 
everybody out there, please do everything you can do to keep you and everybody you know healthy. And we're maybe turning the curve at some point. Well, we're certainly turning the curve here on the show. Fans are really digging our format where every other week we give them the keys to the show and say, Hey, what do you want to talk about? And today's no different. It's another hashtag ask aren't anything. And if you want to participate in one of these shows, it's simple. Just follow us on Twitter at the Arn show and, uh, just look for something pinned near the top. Uh, very recently we posted it's your favorite time of the week. It's time to hashtag ask Arn. leave your questions here. And, uh, we got hundreds of responses. There's no way we can get through them all, but we'll try to uh, hit the high points today. Arn, are you ready? You bet. Uh, Steve Kaufman wants to know, is Arn a home gym guy? And if not, how has he been dealing with COVID-19 closing all the gyms? It has been very, very tough. Um, when they close the gym on you, you know, and you're used to going four or five, sometimes six days a week, it, uh, it's tough. I lucked out. There will be no disclosure of where, but I located a, a gym that I was available to use and was one of only a couple of people that was able to use it. So I've been able to train the entire time. Um, and it being an empty building, still observing all the rules and everything. And it was, it was a fortunate find and I am so thankful it saved my life through all this. And, uh, uh I don't have a home gym. Uh, don't have the room for it. I don't know if I would have ever looked at that as being a necessity cause good God, who, who knew this was coming? But uh, I did have access, and I do have access to a gym. I'm very, very thankful. A very small one, but it's not like I'm training for the Olympia either. So, <laughs> Michael Eldridge writes, pick your poison, Arn. Be pinned by one of the ding-dongs in a tag match or perform the role of the Shockmaster during his debut. I could have pulled the Shockmaster thing off. I'm sure. I'm sure I have many times and just don't recall it. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, now that I see that, uh, the shock master deal has been embraced, yep. it has turned into an iconic moment. It went from one of those mistakes that we all make at some point during our career. And then it's now, it has turned into a, one of the high spots and it's, uh, it's a positive moment. I think and you go back and laugh at it and, uh, that's cool. I think I could pull that one off. It is fun that people, you know, they went from being so serious about it to understanding, Hey man, shit happens and let's, let's poke fun at it and have a little fun. And, and Mr. Ottman, he's, he's embraced it and, and he's uh doubled down on it. And I think you gotta be a good sport about things like that. I mean, this is all supposed to be fun, right? Absolutely. And Hey, we all do stupid stuff. I go back and watch old tapes of, you know, not even the beginning of my career, the end of my career. We all make stupid mistakes during matches and during promos and you mess up on the verbiage or you say the wrong thing or it's in the wrong tense or all that. We all do that. So as long as you don't make too much out of any one single event and just take it in stride and move on, it is what it is and nobody's perfect. Here's an interesting question. One we haven't talked about from a more modern WWE 
Uh, James Shea writes in, what is or was your opinion of Enzo? And do you think he still has a place in the business? Well, God, I'm certainly not the kind of guy that, that can say this guy doesn't belong in the business unless you've really, really went out of bounds or something. Nobody died and left me, God, and, you know, let me make those decisions. Uh, Enzo was a guy that, that put a long time in down at NXT and uh, with his partner, Big Cass, and they had a, a pretty stick going down there. Uh, once they came up to the main roster, though, you go into a whole different learning phase, or you're supposed to. If you're going to be hanging around, you're going to go through a whole new let's start over. Here's the way we do things on Raw. Here's the way we do things on SmackDown. You can't be too hard-headed about that because there are people trying to help you. And if you don't listen to those people and you fail, then it's on you. If you do listen to those people and do everything that you could possibly do uh, to pull off what they're telling you to pull off, then you got a shot at it. And I just think Enzo might have been a little bit too headstrong about how he felt things should go. And, uh, you know, only time will tell. Who knows when he'll pop back up somewhere. Allegedly, and of course I know that, uh, you weren't there for any of this, but allegedly he uh, rubbed some of his coworkers the wrong way. And, uh, there's been reports that maybe there was an incident with him and, uh, some mm-hmm. other talents on a bus once upon a time. Maybe do you recall there being some quote unquote heat on Enzo from, from some of his WWE brethren? Well, I mean, rumblings, you know. Of course, guys are always, you know, not getting along and trying to sabotage each other and and all kind of things. And then there are a lot of times that that a guy will just be doing stuff in the confines of the locker room or during a match or on a road trip or in an airport or wherever it may be that you hear about secondhand and, you know, if it's personal stuff, I just let it go by. If it's business related and you start to hear disturbing things and come from more than one source, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Do you think, uh, you think we'll see him again? I mean, it feels like for whatever reason, he may have burned a bridge with WWE. And, uh, I think, uh, there's folks within AEW who have sort of made it clear, uh, that, that he's not going to be welcome there. Cause it feels like if he was going to, then maybe it would have already happened. Uh, it feels like they did a little stop and start and maybe shot themselves in the foot with him and ring of honor. You start to wonder what's left. It, it, do you think there's a chance we see him pop up somewhere? And if so, where do you think it would be? I mean, it doesn't feel like it's that likely that it would be new Japan and perhaps the NWA, but I don't know if that's exactly what he's looking for. And if you're sort of running through everywhere, it feels like impact maybe by process of elimination. What say you? Well, never say never in this business. Right. You know, if you're a fool, if you say, oh, they'll never work in this business again. Well, they won't until they need you, until a company has a place for you and you're the one that would fit in that spot. And they're really not concerned about what you've done in the past or what your reputation is. If there's a need to be filled and he's the guy to fill it, then he may get another crack at it. You know, who knows? I, I I can't look at the different companies and just say, Oh, there's a perfect fit because I'm not, I'm not that familiar with them to be honest with you. Sure. Well, Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I just, you know, I would just say that, uh, 
uh, I would be very careful, even though the business went through the, the through the last year, I, I say it's a resurgence yep. of the pro, pro wrestling. Would you agree? I would. And now it's like we get slapped down by this tragedy and we're going to have to start all over again. And that means everybody's got to get on board and number one, do what is going to strengthen your company, protect your company at all costs. Because if these places go under any one wrestling organization that has started to catch fire over the last year, if it goes under, that's a lot of jobs. And yeah. we certainly don't want to see anybody else lose their job. Let's, uh, let's talk about Alex, Wright. Josh Kuhn says, what are your thoughts on working with Alex, Wright?" And this has been uh, an interesting topic over the years because we've heard that he was maybe supposed to be one of the next big things. And then, uh, he had a bit of a health situation and gets repackaged and comes back, but his legend has almost grown because he sort of stayed away from the American wrestling scene, but apparently still doing his thing over in Europe. what do you think of working with Alex? I thought Alex was a good worker, to be honest with you. Um, he was young, kid was athletic, and, uh, you know, he had kind of grown up in the business, and he came to us with a little bit of that European flavor. I don't know about the dancing thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, you put yourself inside my head back in that moment in time, I wasn't quite as liberal in my thoughts as I am today because it was a different business. Right. But wrestling, bell to bell, I enjoyed working with Alex and I worked with him a lot of times. And he was a young guy and, you know, he was gun ho and he was willing to do whatever you wanted. And I enjoyed working with him. So you had a problem with the dancing at the time? You felt like it was making a mockery of the business, maybe? It just, it was, I just think it, it was just silly. It was for a baby face was God awful. I mean, it wasn't like it was even good. Right. I mean, there, there have been guys in the past that have danced and, you know, and, and different things and, you know, spun up on their head and did all the, you know, but it was good stuff. It wasn't this thing with Alex was just like, it was, it was cheesy I thought, and I don't know if it was meant to be cheesy, but it, it was cheesy. And, uh, I just never could get used to that being a preamble to what I was going to have as a serious match to follow. I hoped anyway. No, I get that. It makes sense. Um, here's an interesting one that we haven't talked about before you and I, Mike Eldridge wants to know what did Arn think of the hog wild slash road wild pay-per-views? Of course, this was an outdoor concept happening in Sturgis, North Dakota. It's a biker rally. There are no tickets sold. There's no seating in the crowd. It's just guys surrounding the ring and oftentimes just standing over their bikes and revving their engines. And I don't know. It's a unique environment. What'd you think of, uh, of the conditions and the, and the environment as one of the guys in the ring? It was difficult to be honest with you. Uh, we were all out in trailers, but these were not, um, air conditioned trailers for the most part. One or two were, and you know, the brass had those. So you had, uh, outdoor facilities for the restrooms, which was for the guys and the girls. I felt really terrible for the, 
for the women having to use an outside porta potty. Um, there, the hotels in the area were, you know, sold out way in advance. So you had guys scattered around at different hotels and, and things of that nature. It, uh, it was dirt floors backstage everywhere. So everywhere you went, you were tracking mud and dirt and everywhere you went. It was hard to keep the, the rain clean. As you can imagine, a guy on his trip would pick up dirt if he didn't clean his boots, you know, before he stepped through the ropes. Now you're tracking dirt in there. It was notoriously, hot. I mean, just brutal hot. Um, and, and I'm kind of spoiled. I like to have a, a clean hotel room. Doesn't have to be the Taj Mahal, but you know, I like it to be clean. I like to be able to walk around without having to have my socks on. And, you know, there were some, some, they were just, just fair hotels, the accommodations, because there weren't any more hotels were just so, so. And, uh, I just felt like once you got in the ring and started your match, you weren't going to get a true wrestling uh, reaction, right. you know, you got, you got a bunch of bikers right? and they're going to cheer and boo what they want. And at the inopportune time, if that's, you know, that's what they want to do. What are you going to do? Wait out in the middle of them and go, Hey, you're not reacting right, fellas. That would have been interesting. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, it technically it was, and logistically it was a little tough to produce, it really was. Um, and, you know, I'm not real high on non-money-making projects. I just think somewhere down the road you have to turn around and make up for those losses. Maybe not immediately, but that's none of, that's none of my business. Josh Coon wants to know if you have any good Rowdy Roddy Piper stories. Um. Again, Piper was a guy that I didn't spend any downtime with. Um, I was a huge fan, as as you will find a lot of wrestlers are are fans of, of Roddy Piper and what he brought to the table. Certainly, he was a generation before me, um, or a half a generation, however you want to look at it. Uh, but he was just so talented and so good on the stick. And that's one of those things I, I aspired to do well was to be able to communicate with the audience and put out whatever I wanted to put out, negative, positive vibe, tell a story, go back and recap a story from last week or make a prediction about a story coming forward. And I would just watch Piper and marvel at how good he was. Um, and he paid a lot of dues to get where he was in the business. And, and, uh, he was just one of those really, really huge superstars, like a wrestler's wrestler, as far as just being so well-rounded and, and really a superstar in the business. I miss him. That's for sure. I miss getting to watch him perform. I'm really fascinated to hear you talk about Roddy Piper as being somebody so influential to you and your style because his promo style and your style, I, I don't see a whole lot in common. It feels like some of his were so over the top and at times even nonsensical, but it worked because it was him for some reason. Like, I don't know that anybody else could have said the same words he did and it worked as well. It wasn't necessarily what he said, but how he said it, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I wasn't saying that. I tried to pattern myself after him and do anything that he did in the ring, on the mic, 
otherwise tried to emulate him in any fashion. I was just so amazed that he was so in touch with that character and so in tune and was so comfortable with who he was and could pull off what he was trying to convey in his own way. And he was so original. It was, it was more me just knowing this guy knows who he is. He's got a grasp of who he is. And if today he's going to be nuts, that's the Piper you get today. The one that's nuts. And if he's dead serious next week, that's the one you get and you believe all that. And that was more of where I was pointing on, on the far as emulating Piper. Pender J wants to know, Arn, what's the most scathing promo you ever cut on Rick or Tully? And I'm sure he means in real life. Did you guys ever have a, a moment where you really blew your stack at one of those guys? Oh, I'm sure we all did. I'm sure we all, you know, bit each other's heads off cause we were all together and, you know, too much of the time. Right. Um, but whatever it was, it would have been short lived. Um, probably didn't last over a day. Probably was about something that didn't matter. And, uh, we were pretty close during those days. We were, you know, because it was kind of us against the world. You know, there was some animosity in that locker room. If you could imagine, um, the way egos are and the way they should be. And there was some jealousy and there was, there was all kind of things going on. So we kind of knew that we had to, you know, watch each other's backs and, and work together for the good of the company. We're all pulling the wagon the same direction. So if anything that we, that we got into, it was more ribbon on the square. If we were, you know, I used to rib the guys all the time and they would rib me back. And it was, you know, it was just, it's probably some of it started out good naturedly. I don't think we had very many, if any business arguments that would have, been because we saw things all differently. Uh, I don't recall anything like that. Oh man, before we keep going on, I, uh, I want to make mention of something that I absolutely love about, uh, Tony Schiavone on dynamite. Um, you can see his disdain for MJF, but on our show, my, my show with Tony, he'll refer to MJF as a prick. And he calls him a little prick, like a little prick. And it occurred to me, if you wanted to turn a little prick into a big prick, you go to bluechew.com. We're going to get your ding dong real, real hard. Aren't you tired of serving up that soft serve around the house? Here's what mama really wanted for mother's day. She wanted a five-star match. We're talking about PEDs for your junk meat. I'm so excited that bluechew.com continues to sponsor us here on the show. It is the talk of the wrestling business. It has become a revolutionary piece of business in many, many households, and you can be next. Now, what's all, as a friend of yours used to say, what's causing all this? Well, you know what's going on. We're talking about the world's first chewable with the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. Now, here's the best part about this. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. And since it's made in the USA and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than going to the pharmacy. But maybe best of all, there's no more awkwardness. 
And right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ARM. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. The promo code is ARN, and you get to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our hard-ons. Let's, uh, let's pivot to more recent WWE. Mike Whitaker wants to know, was it ever discussed to have you as an on-air character in WWE. And of course he's not talking about back in the day. He means your most recent agenting run. You were there a long time. You've talked to us a little bit before about how, you know, they tried you at commentary and that lasted, I think exactly one show. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, any sort of discussions one way or another about you being a, a more regular on air character? Well, I did a few things scattered here and there. Uh, the undertaker thing, was the most prominent probably of my career that that short little interaction that I had as part of him and Rick's match at WrestleMania. Um, and it, there was a few things, you know, we did the deal with the Nexus when we're, you know, the legends were all out there and we got the shit kicked out of us by the Nexus guys, which I think would resulted in steamboat legitimately getting hurt. Uh, there was a few things over the years that I would pop up, like towards the end, the last couple of years, I did a little something backstage um, with, let me get this right, I want to say it was the Ascension and Fandango and um, what was Fandango's partner's name? Breeze? Yeah, yeah, Tyler Breeze, yeah. Tyler Breeze, and I apologize to him for his name not being in the forefront, but we did a little backstage thing a week or two with those guys that was entertaining. But uh, there was never any talk of me being a, a ongoing character on the show. Uh, here's a fun question for us, and I can't believe this is actually a thing, but it is, and occasionally it'll make the news. Uh, Mick Dolman wants to know what are Arn's thoughts on being able to place bets on pro wrestling and what might the reaction have been if it was suggested 30 years ago. So I don't know that you've seen this Arn, but especially when it comes to pay-per-views and the like, uh, there are certain websites that would actually take your, your betting action on who you think's going to win. And, uh, Dave Meltzer would often report whenever there was a major swing, because it would feel like perhaps someone within the company who knew what the finish was would lay a significant enough bet that it would adjust all of the lines accordingly. But the very idea that we're betting on something scripted on a sporting website feels a little weird. What say you? You're kidding me, right? No, it's real life, man. You can bet on pay-per-views. Stop that. Stop it. Yeah. I've, I've never heard of this, but <laughs> Oh, I wish I would, this would have been going on back when I had some inside knowledge. <laughs> well, you know what I should have done a few years ago? I should have sent you a text. Hey, pal, want to make some money? Uh, you, yeah. like, you like Sasha yeah. tonight? Just thumbs up, thumbs down. Boy, you shit the bed. What were you thinking? <laughs> you and I, not only with all your accrued wealth so far, I would be having some of that right now. Oh, God almighty. I never, I swear, I never, this is the first I've ever heard of that, but, um, 
I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. Ricky Morton's mullet wants to know when out with the boys, what's the protocol on who picks up the check? We're talking just going out to dinner or whatever it is. Yeah. Like let's pretend, you know, and we know that allegedly back in the day, flair picked up the tab most of the time, but let's say that you're in a territory and flair's not there. This is maybe pre horseman and it's you and bullet Bob and uh, I, I don't know, Matt Bourne, whoever. And you guys go to the bar and everybody's having drinks and then the tab comes. What happens now? Um, well, my experience with that is you have separate checks because guys are going to leave when they're ready. Notoriously, guys are going to get out of there. And it, at that, it hits them at that exact moment and I'm ready to go. And before you can start unraveling one central check, it's just easier to have separate checks and let the guy know when you get in there, because some guys are going to stop and have one drink as they're ordering some food to go. Right. Some guys are just going to go in there and have 10 drinks, not get any food, uh, and everything in between. It's, uh, so my experience was you just have your own separate check. Um, and, uh, that made sure nobody tried to get over on anybody else. Anybody got screwed along the way. None of the people working in the restaurant got the shaft, uh, separate checks. Go ahead and give them your credit card when you first walk in and go, Hey, just keep this open. And, but I'm the only one ordering off of it. That's the way you prevented things getting a little shady. Yeah. I could see how that could be, uh, something that could get a little hairy. Uh, another question here, any good stories about the iron Sheik? He's become a, a bit of a cult figure. He had a run, I don't know, a decade or so ago on the Howard Stern show and he became, uh, I don't know, a comedy figure. I mean, he even did some stand up comedy shows and, but once upon a time, I mean, he was a legit badass and a former world champion. What do you remember about working with the iron Sheik? I was just laughing my ass off when you mentioned his name kind of under my breath a while ago and not in a negative way. Every time I see him, he is such a gimmick. I just bust out laughing. I mean, on sight, and he was—he was a—he was a, a badass amateur wrestler. I will get some of this story a little jumbled up, but I will tell you one that is absolutely hilarious. When I first met Sheik, is when I first went to Atlanta after I'd been with Bill Watts and Matt Bourne, myself, Paul Ellering. We got to Atlanta, and Sheik rode with us a few times and it was my first dealing with the sheik so there's four of us we're going down the road and and i'm sitting in the back seat i'm the rookie and uh sheik is beside me and uh let's just say he had a, a little puff of the ganja sure which made him feel big feel huge or i am a big man he felt like his chest was like it, it grew 10 inches in his mind. And the way he was sticking it out, I couldn't argue with him. So, Arnold, you are Ole Anderson's cousin. That's correct. I said, yes, she it is. 
Rich or he is the boss man. He is cheap shot. He thinks he can stretch the sheik. I don't care if he is the boss. I'll stretch him. A stretch is no good ass. I said, well, okay. All right. I understand, cause that you were, you know, amateur. Oh, yes. I was Olympic champion back in 1968 Olympics. I stretch everyone. I am still shooter today. I make everyone humble. I said, okay, you were in the 68 Olympics, and I started doing the math. I said, if you don't mind me asking, Sheik, uh, this math that you just gave me that I just kind of told out, you would have won the Olympics in, at like 14 years old. That's amazing. Oh, yes, I can't believe it. Now I'm I'm rolling. I'm I'm I'm, I'm absolutely rolling because I know that he is ribbing me. Sure, but he's not he's not ribbing me. He doesn't believe. Yeah, he believes it. He wants me to believe it, and he believes it. Yeah, but the math is so screwy and all that stuff. And and I'm telling you, I just busted out laughing, and then he started out laughing. Thank God he wasn't offended, and I, because. <laughs> It was the craziest story that I had ever heard, but over the years, I mean, every time I see him, I go hug his neck, shake his hand. To me, he is a walking comedy act, but without not making fun of him, right. just laugh, just laughing at the gimmick because he is so into his gimmick. One of the best. Uh, thank you very much, Ricky Morton's Mollet, for having Aaron breaking out his Iron Sheik impression that we didn't know he could do. Shit. Son of a bitch. These are the noises I used to make when I cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Here's the thing, guys. We've all had a little situation before maybe we were even a little embarrassed about. But now those cuts and nicks are a thing of the past thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. And here's the deal. You've heard us talking about Manscaped for a long time, but their team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. We're talking about the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes to give you a longer shave. You've even got an LED light, which is going to help you illuminate the shaving area. They also has, and check this out, a rapid charging dock powered by USB. This is premium. And when I say premium, I mean it. This thing's changing the lives of our listeners in ways that are too explicit to explain. But let me just tell you that uh, your dick, your balls, and your partner will thank you. So you need to try it for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. Now, let me just speak candidly. I don't know what causes them to want to do something special for you, but I know what hurts it. And this helps it. Every action moves you a little closer or a little further away from the goal. And if your goal is to uh, roll tight, you got to go do this. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code ARN. I'm telling you, your partner will thank you. But really, it's not for them. It's for you. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, one last question from Ricky. He wants to know, did you ever see Alabama doink? Uh, let me give you the backstory here on there was, uh, a rather, um, plump individual who wrestled in a full doink gimmick that looks like a, uh, Walmart special. 
And he had a match several years ago against Heidenreich in the parking lot of a golden corral where they, uh, destroyed an old beat up car and threw each other in the bushes. And it is exactly what you would expect based on the way I described it. But we recently lost Alabama doink. May he rest in peace, but he's become an internet legend that it was so bad. It was great. Did you ever see any Alabama doink? No. Do we know the name of the gentleman behind the mask? He was an indie guy. It wouldn't have been a name that you and I would probably know, but, uh, the next time you're uh, in Huntsville, I'm going to break out some Alabama doink for you. I think it's going to be right up your alley. Deal deal. If I, and I would say this, and this is most people won't expect that coming from me, but if, a, if anybody male or female is able to go out and even have one match, at something they have lived their entire life aspiring to do wanting to be in the professional wrestling business. If they get one chance at doing that and they're truly a fan, someone dedicated to, to, uh, the business, if they get one crack at it in a golden corral parking lot in a sewer drain on top of a building in someone's shed, ask them, was that fun? And when you look in their eyes, you'll see the same thing from everybody. Not that it was great, not that it did anything for the business, but it let them live their dream, if only for a brief time. And how can that be wrong? Uh, Let's uh, move along and, and talk about another story that was recently discussed on Jim Cornette's podcast. Uh, someone asked about ribs where it was a joke to have someone arrested. And he says, once upon a time, the guys ribbed you and you were quote unquote arrested. And I think a lot of this became uh, part of the internet conversation because a famous story was told on the WWE network where Vince McMahon had Jonathan coachman arrested for, uh, illegal gambling. And of course it was just a big game and, and eventually they let him go and no big deal. But a generation before that, Courtney says you got arrested. My first uh, Charlotte, North Carolina house show, I hadn't been there any time. I uh, don't know, but I mean, just it could have been a week, could have been four days, but it was the first Charlotte Coliseum. I had just left Pensacola. I had left, I know I had worked a uh, uh, substantial uh, what am I looking for here? I, I gave them my notice. Okay. Okay. I worked a couple of week notice, which is, is what any promoter would ask. So I left the right way. I got a nice payoff on the way out. Thank you, Ron, Ron Fuller, Robert Fuller, the whole bunch, bullet, Bob Armstrong, everyone that was an owner, Jimmy golden. Thank you for that. It was the biggest week I had in the business. So I get to Charlotte, I'm ready to rock and roll and, I'm sitting in the locker room and all of a sudden two cops walk in and Jimmy Crockett is in because we are in Charlotte. He's in the locker room and they go over to say something to Jimmy and I'm looking at him and I just know that anytime police officers come in and ask for the boss, it ain't good. It ain't good. No. So I'm sitting there lacing my boots up and 
I just kind of look down. I'm just trying to become invisible just because it's un- going to be uncomfortable for whoever and whatever this situation is. It just ain't going to be good, like you said. And two police officers come over to me, and they go, your name is Martin Lundy? I said, uh, yes, sir, it is. Um, were you in Dothan, Alabama on, and gave a date? And now I'm, I'm trying to think, I don't even know what that day that was. Right. You know how the, you know how the business is. Sure. And I'm, and I'm thinking back and I'm going, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, we're sure we have a warrant here for your arrest. Oh. Well, then Jimmy Crockett walks over. He goes, guys, what's what's the problem here? Uh, Mr. Crockett, you need to stay out of this. We have a warrant for this gentleman's arrest. He will be taken to Dothan, Alabama, or Dothan, Alabama, uh, when they can come get him. But we're going to have to hold him here for extradition. And he goes, guys, we can take care of this. This is Jimmy now. We can we can handle this some other way. Uh, no, sir, we can't. So he will be held for extradition. Well, Jimmy looks at me, and he looks at them, and and now I'm shaking. Oh, my Jesus, guys. They got the paperwork in their hands, the whole thing. They go, so they cuff me. And Jimmy, who I'm waiting to say, all right, I'll be down there to get you, man. I'll be down to Bell. Yeah, I'll be there in a minute. He goes, well, take him out the back door. Don't take him through the crowd. Think about that minute for a moment. You're talking about cold-blooded. Your last hope just said, take him out the back. Yeah, don't mess with my business. See you later. Yeah, if if this is going to stick, sorry. Been nice, Arn. Been five days. See ya. Man, I'm walking out the back door now. I'm cuffed. I mean, I got on two wrestling boots that aren't laced. Uh, T-shirt. Wrestling, short wrestling tights, knee pads. I'm walking out the back door, and my legs are so weak, I'm almost falling down. I'm thinking, good God almighty, what in the hell? And I'm telling you, it's pure terror. That's pure terror. And I go out, they put me in the police car, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, Jesus, I got to get a hold of my my fiance. What the... And I'm the thousand things. I'm, you know, how do I get a hold of Aaron? Da, 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 da. I don't know anybody here in town. I just got here. All these things are going through your mind, and all of a sudden, I hear that laugh. It's Rick <laughs> laughing his ass off with that big nose of his pressed against the window. Jerks the door open. Goes, we got you. So he set it up, they arrangement, they arranged it, and it was uh, just so happens, which I didn't know at the time, Doug Dillinger, who was did security for Crockett all the time and was a Charlotte police officer and one of his friends, pulled this thing off. And, uh, man, I could barely get out of the back seat. My legs were so weak, and it was, it was a ritual and a, a welcome. You're part of the crew, da-da-da-da-da. Man, you're talking about a bad rib. That's a bad rib. Or a hilarious one, depending on if you were in the cop car or not. I mean, if you're on the outside, it's probably one of the more hysterical things, but 
Yeah. That day you were probably glad to be wearing black tights. I can appreciate. Yes. Both sides of it. <laughs> um, big red six Oh three wants to know double a, you always carry yourself with such humility and grace, but for this question, please set that aside. When did you realize that you were over, that you were a draw, that you were a main event player? Is there a specific match angle or year you can point to and say, man, that's when I really felt it. Uh, I don't know about being, I don't know that you have a, a feeling of, okay, I'm over. Um, I guess you, you get to a point where you start feeling like I can control the audience. I think right before I left Pensacola, I will just say this. And, and I did feel this because every single week I got to do all those market spec promos and get them right. And I got to do them for solid year, you know, um, and I got to develop who I was. I got to develop my ring skills so that I could go out and have a match with virtually anybody and it be passable. I felt like, and, uh, you know, I had my, I guess, gimmick, you know, being an Anderson and wrestling that style, I had everything pretty much lined up to where I felt confident that I could go out and be put in a main event position because I'd worked main events and, you know, for a solid year with those guys. Um, and they had trusted me and I got to work with all their top baby faces that came in and all those things. So I felt very confident at that point leaving and walking in the door with Jim Crockett for my first television. I felt like I had my shit together and I uh, felt like they could put me out there with whatever talent they chose and I would be comfortable with that and I could uh, add to what to what the card was that night. And uh, I felt like I was in a position to get over. And uh, his famous words to me, Dusty Rhodes, when I walked in and met with him in the office, as he just cocked back and put his boots up, never forget it, looked at me and just said, go get over. I sat there for a minute and he said, that's all. And I walked out and I knew exactly what he meant. And, uh, that's what I tried to do. And I think obviously the success I was a part of with, uh, Jim Crockett promotions, I was in a position to get myself over. And I think I did. Uh, I think we would agree. Uh, Adam wants to know what is Arn's opinion of Barry Darso saying that Tully injured him on purpose with the chair shot when the brain busters won the belts from demolition. I have to admit, Arn, I don't remember hearing that, but uh, I haven't seen a lot of Barry Darso interviews. I know he's done a couple of shoot interviews and the like, but I don't remember catching any. Did you ever hear this story that maybe Barry was upset with Tully based on a chair shot? Well, the chair shot to switch the titles, um, when Andre came down, slid the chair in, he did potato it. Yes, I do know that. And he might've given him a slight concussion, but I know he didn't try to hurt him on purpose. I would bet my life on that. That's just not the way we operated or, or thought about. Now, again, I try to tell people all the time, you know, no matter what you think about the business, you hit a guy with a steel chair in the head, it's a steel chair in the head. And the way it was, uh, 
Barry was covering me until he slid in, and there was nowhere for his head to go. He hit him in the back of the head, and it was a potato. Uh, but it was not him being reckless. It's just it is what it is. Steel chairs hurt folks. Make no mistake. And there's been a lot of concussions that just got swept under the rug, not intentionally, but I mean, when someone would be out and be hurt, and you know, you would just say, okay, they've been hurt. They're going to be out two weeks or three weeks. You know, a lot of those have come from chair shots back in the day. And uh, I, I would almost guarantee Barry Darso's a good friend of mine to this day. Tully did not hurt him intentionally. Did he hurt him with the chair? Yes, he did. All right, we need to run a timeout right now and tell everybody how we can make this the best summer ever. Here's what we're talking about. Skip your June and your July house payment. You're done until August 1st. Now come August 1st, you're going to have a better mortgage. I am routinely helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. But once you're saving that money, what do you do with it? Sure, you can stick it in your pocket, but what if you applied it to the principal of your home and paid it off faster? We've helped more families get out of debt faster than they ever thought possible. And here's what I mean. Most of us go through life just having our bank account drafted every single month for our single biggest bill. We get used to living without that money. Really think about this. How old will you be when you pay your house off? If you don't know the answer, you probably haven't done enough planning. I want to show you how to pay your house off before your kids go to college. Maybe then they won't have to be saddled with student loans. I want to show you how to pay your house off before you hope to retire. You have to ask yourself, am I on the retire at 62, retire at 65 or work forever plan? If you keep refinancing over and over into a brand new 30 year loan, you're never going to pay your house off. And sadly, that's the reason we see seniors continue to work well into their seventies and even the eighties. You don't have to do that, but why are they doing it? Well, it's not because they have a Lexus payment to make. It's because they have a house payment to make. That's really what we're talking about. Peace of mind. And if you want to get the right peace of mind that, you know, I'm getting out of debt faster. I'm saving as much money as possible. And I'm being a good steward with this money, not just for myself, but for my family. That's what we're all about at first family mortgage. And I can show you how easy it is right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but if you've got credit card debt, you can get rid of it just like that. It's a waste of resources for you to continue to throw money away at 18, 20, 30% interest. You know, that's true. Why not get a better rate and a greater tax deduction, but most importantly, take that monthly payment savings and use it to get out of debt faster. And really think about how much money that is. Think about what your monthly payment is. You know, it's to the penny. Now multiply it by 120. If we show you how to cut 10 years off of your loan, that is a gargantuan amount of money you're going to save. That if you just continue to do what you've been doing, you'll work for, pay taxes on, and then just give it away. Don't do that. Keep more of your own money. Let's get out of debt. Let's get a real plan together. And I can show you how easy it is right now. Interest rates are at an all-time low. And I know you've probably seen or heard that some of the big banks are now requiring 750 credit scores and 20% down. That's not the case. I'm helping families in more than 40 states with credit scores in the 500s pay their house off faster. And by the way, we're not talking about subprime loans. These are Fannie Mae, these are Freddie Mac, these are government loans, interest rates in the twos, threes, and fours. None of the crazy stuff maybe you heard about a decade ago. That's not what we're doing at SaveWithConrad.com. What we are doing is showing you how to keep more of your own money. 
Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh, did I mention no house payments for two months? Make this the best summer ever and hit the reset button on your financial future at SaveWithConrad.com. Let's uh, lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, Jonathan wants to know chicken nuggets, chicken tenders, or chicken strips. What do you prefer? And do you have a go-to dipping sauce? Probably be chicken tenders, honey mustard. I think we're on the same page there. Another interesting question. And this is one that I know we're getting because you and I have recently talked about how much we enjoyed Nikki Bella's work. Uh, And I, you know, I'm really surprised that uh, that hasn't gotten more hate tweets towards us yet, uh, but please direct them to me. Uh, hey, hey, it's Conrad. I thought she was great. And I know that the internet at the time was just sort of sour on it, but I think some of that is, you know, tinfoil hat business. Uh, Jonathan writes, if Nikki Bella wasn't involved with John Cena, do you think she would have been the divas champ as long as she was? Oh gosh. I don't know. I mean, who's to say, um, I just think for their time, if you go back and look at, at the ladies that were on the roster and what time period it was and the uniqueness of them being twins, you know, and if you go back and watch some of their matches, you know, they were good together. Bree and Nikki, you know, and it's not me making a personal observation or anything to do with John because we had no crossover, uh, you know, business whatsoever, just because I had all of John's matches did, did not mean that I had anything to do with Bree and, uh, and Nikki. I mean, they had their own producer, which was usually fit Finley. Um, but, you know, I don't know how much politics plays into title runs. I don't think as much as people would think. Uh, I really don't. I just knew that, the you know, the Bellas worked well together and they worked well with the other ladies. And, you know, I just based my opinion off of what I see. And you got to look at the era and the time frame and, and, you know, how much time do they have in an individual match and, what magic were they trying to to pull off in a short time, or did they have too much time? There's so many variables you have to look at on before you gauge a certain match. What is their story going in? What's going to be the story coming out? They're, they're all variables, and they're all very important on how someone's performance is portrayed. Fun question here based on some of our show reviews we've done. This one's from Big Extra. He says, Arn, you've talked about Dolph Ziggler on a previous episode. I feel like he could be the next Cody Rhodes, meaning a guy that bets on himself and hits it big. Do you see him ever leaving WWE at any point? Or at this point, is he a lifer with the with the company? Well, only Dolph could tell you that. I you know, I don't know. I really don't know. Um I just know that every time I worked with Dolph, you know, Dolph had an opinion. And if you don't have an opinion in this business, it means you're really not thinking about uh, what your job is that day, probably deep enough, you know, because if you're not talking about it, you don't have an opinion about the whatever you're going to do on TV that day. To me, it tells me you're really not that concerned. He always had an opinion and he always had a slant and, you know, some of those times, those slants were not what was being sent down from creative. And, uh, 
you know, the fact that Dolph has always taken pride in every match he's been in, that's the one thing no one will be able to say that he went out and he tanked one on purpose no. or he loafed or he loafed. Never. You know, and, and I respect that because, you know, you get faced with a lot of situations that really don't do anything for you during the match. Don't really do anything for the company. But you go out and you give it your best because it's not about any of that. It's about giving the fans a product that they're glad they paid their money to see. It's purely and simple. That's the first thing that you should do as a performer is make sure that audience gets the very best of you that particular day. And, uh, you know, whether Dolph moves on or if he ends his career up there, I, you know, that's certainly up to him. I just know that he's a professional and, um, that's the dealings I had with him. And that's my opinion. D Ray has an old school question. He says, can we have detail on when a fan rushed the horseman in Richmond? He got him in a headlock and by the nose. And then JJ kicked the guy in the face and accidentally broke your fingers. That never happened. All righty. Uh, Rajiv wants to know when Arn wants to go looking for some good eating, where's he looking to go? And I, I'm sure he's talking about in your, uh, your stomping grounds these days in Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, where am I looking to go eat with the pandemic thing going on? When it's all over, when things are back to normal, where will be the first place Aaron can't wait to go? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, let's see. We have a steakhouse here called beef and bottle. That has been in Charlotte probably 50 years. That is really old school. Just, just, it's not real fancy. It's not white, you know, white tablecloth. You can wear whatever you'd like in there, but the steaks are phenomenal. Um, you know, all the sides are incredible. It's, uh, it's just a really good be your kind of steak, you know. 16 ounce, 20 ounce, really good stuff. And, uh, I look forward to going in there and grabbing a meal. Yeah. I just, uh, had to throw that in my Google machine and I wish they were open today. Um, check, <laughs> uh, this is a fun one because so many of our listeners really hang on your every word with some of your old promos. Uh, do you have a favorite promo that you've done yourself? Like, is there one that you know, you look back and say, man, that's about as good as I ever did right there. Probably there's probably three that stand out. I think probably retirement because that wasn't a promo. That was just me saying goodbye. Um, the my spot or is that a different one? Uh, no, no. The one where I actually retired and okay. made Kurt Henning gave him my spot. Gotcha. That one. Um, not the parody that followed. Right, right, right. Uh, obviously. Um, that one, probably the one from Disney after we got beat up and myself and uh, Rick and Sting and uh, Ray were in the ambulance and carted off. And the next week we beat up the boogeyman. That promo, which is the one that you brought up, the quote uh, that I stole from the Untouchables, you take one of ours to the hospital we take one of yours to the morgue yep that promo and i would think probably greenville when we're out in uh, greenville in the tuxes and stuff yep. and it was rick's return to yep. the company 
I think those those three probably stand out. Uh, what about uh, a favorite promo from someone else? You know, one of the more famous promos that people talk about are uh, Dusty Rhodes' Hard Times and CM Bunk's Pipe Bomb. Is there one that sticks out to you that maybe uh, a lot of people aren't talking about that you think, man, that guy was on top of his game right there? Um, no one in particular that I just, that is just stuck in my mind. I don't think, um, I know that when I was down in Pensacola, Bob Armstrong had a very convincing promo and it was just a a Southern firefighter that was now a wrestler and, and was just a tough son of a bitch. And he could talk that Southern stuff that you and I understand Conrad and the, the audience would just get behind him and they would believe in him. And, uh, if he told you payback was coming, you believed it. And, uh, he was one of the guys that I really loved to watch talk. You know, obviously Dusty never did a bad interview. I don't think, uh, in his life, um, Paul Ellering used to entertain me a lot, putting the road warriors over. Um, how competitive was it when, when you guys are in the horseman, you know, Ollie was known to be a strong promo. You obviously as well, Tully Blanchard could get heat like almost nobody else. And Ric Flair's promos at times were just out of this world. It almost felt like you guys were competitive with each other. Maybe it wasn't spoken or explicitly said, but you don't want to go out there. If everybody else is shining like a diamond and come off looking like a turd, you got to bring your a game. Was there some competitiveness of. Man, let's see if I can top this. You know, and, and this is what's funny. We would never talk about who was going to go first or last or anywhere in the middle. It was just kind of working knowledge that we knew who had the big match. If Tully and I were going to be third match on on that particular interview, we would just lay out if Rick, you know, was always going to be the main event. We would let him either take the lead, step up. You knew once once the microphone was ready to be handed off from, from Shivani, whoever stepped forward and took it, you knew we're going to lead off. And uh, if it made the rounds and there was still a little bit of time left, you know, me, I, w- I would try to go second because I was selfish. I want to make sure I had enough time to, to get over. And... Uh, I know that sounds selfish, but if you if you go at the very end and the promo has flowed so well that it should probably end with the guy that's, that's ending right now, that last guy would just lay out and JJ would lean forward and put the four out and we'd all throw in four fingers and we were done. And it was almost just knowing, okay, this one has flowed well, don't need to say anything else. But if you were wanting to talk and you only had 15 seconds left, you better have just one kill shot line, one Clint Eastwood line or something to shut it down with because that's all you had, and you did not want to go over on that TV show because it just that time did not belong to you, and it was very valuable. Let's talk about those four fingers. Brad writes, how hard was it to not put up the four horsemen, four fingers hand gesture when you and Tully went to the WWF and all the fans were doing it back to you? 
Well, the very first night, um, and we did it probably without thinking, uh, they did hit us with it our very first time on TV, and without thinking, we shot it back to them. And when we came through the curtain, we were told, do not do that. That was then. This is now. It has nothing to do with the Four Horsemen. You know, you guys are in a different company or different characters. And it, they only had to tell us once. This is an interesting question. I want to spend debated a lot. And I think you and I have touched on it a little bit, but I don't think you gave your opinion. Chip wants to know, does Arn thinking that this pandemic will be the final nail in the coffin for the house show business? There's been a lot of speculation that on the other side of this wrestling really will become a television product. And if there's a TV taping, then, then there will be matches. But if there's not house shows, no moss, what say you? I don't believe that because house shows are different than television. It's a different show. Um, and I think people are still going to need entertainment. And when it comes to your town, I mean, it's, you can watch anything on TV. Um, doesn't matter what it is, but you know, if it's a, if Cirque du Soleil comes to town, I'm going to go see it right? because it, it's such a quality entertainment event. And, and I have, I've, they did come to, uh, Concord Cabarrus years ago and, took the family and went up there and it's just a different viewing experience than sitting watching on TV. Same thing with a live event. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's different. You don't have the, you know, the glitz and glamor and the pyro and all that stuff, but you get, you know, eight matches or something and you get a short story where the beginning a middle and an end and you get winners and losers. And it's just a different viewing experience than TV. And I think as long as, you know, and once America gets back thumping and hitting on four cylinders, you know, and people are out making money and spending money, people still want to have entertainment. And I think there will still be some house shows around. Let's do a question about Jim Cornette. You know, it feels like uh, we've got a lot of questions about stories that maybe Corny has told on his podcast about you, but here's a fun one. Chip wants to know, can you give us any stories or recollections of your time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling? Some of our younger fans may not be familiar with this territory, but this was uh, what Jim Cornette started uh, after he left WCW and the NWA. He started his own promotion and uh, it had quite the little run. It was sort of uh, its own little territory before ECW rose to prominence. And, uh, it was sort of the it place to be, if you weren't with the WWF and WCW and you had a few shots there. And I think it was mostly on like a talent trade from WCW. If I recall, what can you tell us about your time in Smoky mountain? Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I mean, it really was fun. And, uh, I think this occurred after I did the angle with Eric Watts and he, uh, he blew my knee out in the Seven Eleven parking lot. We had to fight, and and I went home for a few months. And Bobby was was off too, and uh, we worked about three shots for Corny. And uh, he did the the promo where uh, Ricky and Robert brought out a mystery partner under a sheet. Yeah. And man, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this whole shooting match. 
because Cornette played it off so well. I mean, he just he came over and, you know, looked at me and I don't know, I think he kind of made a half-assed kick at the bottom of the sheet and insulted whoever was under the sheet, and there's nobody under there. And I don't think anybody on earth would have believed or guessed I was going to be partners with Ricky and Robert after all we had been through over the years. And it was just when he pulled that uh, sheet off of me, that place blew up, and uh, we had a hell of a fight, and we worked our way into, you know, a match coming up, a couple of matches that did some good business for Corny, and uh, he was very generous and uh, in the payoffs, and uh, it it was drivable from Charlotte. On top of that, so all in all, it was a great time. I had a blast. All right, let's wrap it up with an interesting question that you and I've never talked about, but I think I know the answer. A wrestling historian writes, why wasn't Ole Anderson inducted into the WWE hall of fame in 2012 with the rest of the horsemen? Well, my, uh, my knowledge of what I've heard through the grapevine is Ole does not want anything to do with WWE in any fashion period. And whether or not, he was asked to be part of that that group or not. I don't know. If he would have, I'm sure he would not have accepted because of all the things that went down years prior when Vince got control of his television and and all those things went down, which is pretty common knowledge in the business. And it was really a, a heated issue between the two of them, and there was some, some conversations and insults that went back and forth. And... Um, that was probably the biggest reason there was no interest on either one's part. Did you ever hear the story? I just need you to sort of confirm or deny that once upon a time, Vince McMahon went down to Atlanta and he brought his wife, Linda with him, he goes over to Ole and says, Ole, I want to introduce you to someone. This is my wife, Linda. Allegedly Ole says, fuck you and fuck her too. I would. If I was just guessing, I would say that probably happened. It's unbelievable, man. It's just, uh, Ole was a character and a half. And, uh, I don't know if you want to be entertained and you're not familiar with, with how sort of ornery Ole Anderson could be throw it in your YouTube machine because man, that guy just wakes up pissed off. Does he not? Yes, he does. And he's always been kind of that way, but not to the extent it is now. Uh, you know, he was very intimidating. And and he was easy on me, but he was very intimidating, very gruff. And and in those days, I guess you have to, to be fair about it. When Vince was going around and, and putting his plan in place to take over pretty much the world, these promoters and these owners took that personally. Sure. And it was a guy, guy taking away their livelihood. And you could imagine if uh, it doesn't matter what company it is, if if a big brand new company comes in that that's a hardware store or whatever, and Home Depot and all these other guys have been around for a while, but this one is just a mega store and got all these things, and they're going to look at putting you out of business. That would be a sore subject with you, and I think a lot of that stems from a lot of promoters back in the day when the takeover was. In its infancy. 
talk to me briefly about Ole and Rick, uh, allegedly over the years when Ole was Booker and, and, and in control, he wasn't always a fan of the style of match or the performances that Rick put together. And he's been pretty critical in shoot interviews in more recent years. And he even alleges that, you know, quote unquote, I put the goddamn belt on him. So you just fucking leave <laughs> tired of seeing these same matches over and over. And, and, and the idea is he was upset that Rick would quote unquote, go long for the sake of going long. The idea that Rick thought a good match meant a long match. So he wanted him to go quote unquote, go home, get in the showers and get to the next fucking town. And, and it just feels like that is a source of frustration for Ole where, you know, maybe that wasn't even the real reason he was upset, but he's just looking for a reason to be mad at Rick. What was their relationship like? And when did it start to sour? Well, I would just guess that, that when Rick was making the rounds as the world champion, Ole wouldn't see him live wrestling very much because he was traveling the world. Right. And he, he would come back to his territory and, and make his dates. And there we go. He would go to Puerto Rico or Australia or, you know, wherever it was going to be other places in the States, you know, uh, he'd go to Portland for a week. He'd go to Pensacola for a week. He'd go to Dallas for a week. He'd go to Kansas city for a week. And only really wasn't watching him work that much. But when Ole started back working and he, he and I were partners and the horseman thing came around and he was at the arena every night watching Rick and those long matches. I think that is probably where it would start to grade on him a little bit. Don't know why, but, um, I mean, we, ha I know this and it's something nobody probably ever thought about. Ole and I would have our match. Let's just say, Whatever, whenever it was, whenever we were on first match after intermission, semi-main, depending on where Tully was on the card and all these other things. But we would notoriously have to be there to the very end to run in on Rick's match and, you know, after his match or whatever. So now if you're doing 50 minutes and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting for a guy like Ole, who was already a wealthy man and already had his money put up and had his life pretty much settled that I'm now this is just guessing that might have graded on him you know the long matches and all those things but uh I'm not sure not positive that's just my guess well I'm positive that we'll be back next week we're going to be visiting over the limit 2010 it's a WWE pay-per-view that went down in Detroit on May 23rd on top it's John Cena and Batista in an I quit match. We've got Eve Torres and Maurice for the Divas title. We've got Big Show and Jack Swagger for the World Heavyweight title. We've got Edge and Randy Orton in a singles match. We've got the Hart Dynasty, uh, which we haven't spent a ton of time talking about, but it's David Hart Smith and Tyson Kidd taking on Chris Jericho and The Miz for the Tag Team Championship. Rey Mysterio and CM Punk in a straight edge society pledge versus a hair match. Uh, and then our truth will be with DiBiase, Kofi Kingston and drew McIntyre for the intercontinental championship. So these days, those are world title guys here. They're wrestling for the IC. That's what you can expect next week on Arn. If you've got a question about that show, or you want to participate in our next ask Arn anything, follow us on Twitter. It's at the Arn show. Uh, until next week, he is at the Arn Show. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you right here on Westwood One 
each and every Tuesday. It's Arn! I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Jeremy, which one of the podcasts is your favorite one? Uh, my favorite one is probably uh, What Happened When with Tony. Uh, what made you go to Save With Conrad um, in the first place? What was your goal? Uh, save a little bit of money, condense some of my debt. Instead of paying three different monthly payments on something, now I'm only doing one monthly payment, and it's actually less. Out of this whole process, do you remember how much money you were able to save? 900. I'm probably paying about $200, $250 less a month. Being able to have that 250 in your pocket, or 200 in your pocket at the end of the month, is is a huge deal. Big help, big help. Would you recommend us to anybody, like a friend or a family member? Uh, definitely. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.